0: My name is Scott Woolrich.
1: My name is Lindsay Chave.
2: Hi, my name is Michael Riley.
3: My name is Kayla
1: England.
2: And I'm Aaron Salvato. Welcome to the Good Line Podcast, a show where we get a small group of students together with a teacher to learn and discuss theology and the Christian life. And then we share those conversations with all of you. Today, we're diving into part four of our current class, Fighting Sexual Objectification Together. Today's episode is titled, The Answer to Sexual Brokenness Is Not Sexual Liberation. Last week we looked at the trend of men blaming objectification on the women who are victims. This week we're going to examine the other side of the coin: women blaming the problem completely on men and trying to fix the problem through a new wave of feminism that teaches women that the only way to stop yourself from being objectified is to objectify yourself. We hope you enjoy this discussion. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the Pod class. Here's the question. Are men the only ones responsible for sexual purity? Here's the other side of the debate. We say, oh, it's all just the men. They're just a bunch of lusting perverts. There's this new wave of feminism that says a girl should be able to wear whatever the heck she wants and not be objectified unless she wants to be. There's been a huge campaign lately called Free the Nipple, um, where people are basically saying if men are allowed to show their breasts, their chest, then shouldn't women be able to? There's nothing sexual about the nipple. But the interesting thing is we have models that are campaigning on this campaign or this uh a free the nipple campaign. And the way that they're posting is a sexualized post. It's saying free the nipple. And it's a very sexual pose and a very seductive pose and the way they're trying to make this statement. And basically there's this idea that, you know, it's, it's all on the men. Women should be allowed to be as sexual as they want. Um, once Brooklyn and I saw a feminist friend of ours post on Instagram, she was clothed, but grabbing her chest and sticking out her tongue for the camera. And the caption read this. And I cleaned up the language because it was a little, uh, A little dicey. So it's really freaking important to understand that believing you should cover up the skin that you live in instills self-hatred, insecurity, and justification of objectification. Women should not have to cover up their bodies. Women are not inherently deserving of assault because of the skin that they are born in. Your body says nothing about what you deserve or what anyone is allowed to say or do to you. My entire life, I was taught that having the body of a female meant that if I didn't cover up, I deserve what I got. But guess what? Hey, ladies, grab your privates, do what you want with your skin, embrace your sexuality, be whatever you are, and never let anyone tell you to stop questioning this misogynistic hellhole of a society. Someone else's messed up beliefs do not say anything about who you are or what you deserve. So here's the thing about that. I think there's a lot of truth in what she said but mixed in with the truth were lies. So I'm going to go through it. She says, women shouldn't have to cover up because in reality, the truth is God made us to be naked without sin. There'd be no need to cover anything. So she gets that right. Women shouldn't have to cover up. However, sin does exist. And that creates a problem. The second thing she says is women are not inherently deserving of assault because of the skin they are born in. I say yes and amen to that. That's fantastic. Then she says, your body says nothing about what you deserve or what anyone is allowed to say or do to you. Again, I, I say, yes, that's awesome. But then she says, my entire life, I was taught that having the body of a female meant that if I didn't cover up, I deserved what I got. That's That's tragic. But I know for a fact that many girls are taught this, and that's not the way of Jesus. But then afterwards, she loses it. She says, Grab yourself, flaunt your sexuality, do whatever you want, be whoever you want. This is the song that singers have been singing for ages. It's it's Miley Cyrus. It's my party and I can do what I want. Love who I want. Kiss who I want. My wife and I were surprised to see there were so many girls in our youth group who liked her post and even even like commented high fives and and fire emojis and in support and saying, you know, yes, you go girl. It, these are Christ-following girls who love Jesus, but here's the problem. If you have a glass of poison and put a little bit of truth in it, it's still poison. I don't think feminism is a bad thing if it's defined as the fight for people to see women as equally valued by God and made in his image. Jesus fights for that. Absolutely. But we see in society, this new wave of feminism that thinks that the answer to objectification is flaunting sexuality. Things like going out and and doing topless protests, How are we fighting objectification by objectifying ourselves? That's the mentality of a lot of the women in society these days. But here's the problem. That's not a real solution. If anything, it's a defeatist solution. It's women saying, because I'm a woman, I know that this misogynistic society will objectify me no matter what. Therefore, I will objectify myself on my own terms. I will objectify myself before a man can. It will be my choice and I will enjoy it. I get to choose when I'm objectified. But here's the problem with that. God never intended for humans to objectify one another. It doesn't matter whose choice it is. I would say this, the answer to sexual brokenness is not sexual liberation. This makes sense in anything. Like If my leg is broken, is the answer to swing it around and put more pressure on it? Absolutely not. Brokenness needs a healer. The answer to sexual brokenness is submitting to God's design and intention for sexuality. Um, how many of you guys grew up in youth group? Did you guys go to youth group? Yes. Have you guys heard the classic analogy of how sex is like fire and inside the fire pit, it's a good thing, but outside it burns down the forest. Yeah. Yes. Classic analogy, but it's so true. the The reality is like it says in scripture, humans can't hold a fire in their hands and not get burned. Now this is, this is the part. Of the talk, where I am going to make an illustration that I call the sexual sandwich. And I hope that's not the only thing that you walk away remembering um, is the name of this illustration. But here's what I want to say about this. Okay. How many of you guys like sandwiches? <laughs> you guys like sandwiches? Okay. What is the intent of a sandwich? Anybody? Why does someone make a sandwich? What's the intent of it? To eat it. To eat it. Right. It's for someone to eat the sandwich and enjoy it. Now, Now picture this, okay? Someone makes a sandwich and the intent is he makes it for someone else to eat and enjoy. Well, then there's a group of people, let's just say maybe a very misogynistic group of people that say, We're going to abuse this sandwich. We know what it's for. We're going to stick it on the ground and we're going to squish it with our feet. That's what sandwiches are for. And then there's another group we could say, maybe a more feminist group that says, that's not what sandwiches are for. We'll show you what they're for. And then they take the sandwich and dip them in paint and try to paint a house with it. Neither one of those ways are what sandwiches are for, right? Are you with me? Like Mm -hmm. that's not the design of the sandwich. And in the same way, humanity needs to understand that sexuality was designed by God for a specific reason. It was designed for marriage. And we have one side that says, sexuality is something just for my pleasure. It's just something to be abused. It's just something where I take what I want and I get what I want. And then another side that says, I get to be the master of my own objectification since I can't deny that I'm going to be objectified and I'm just going to objectify myself on my terms whenever I want. It's it's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's ignoring that sexuality was designed for a specific purpose and believing this way and acting this way dishonors the image of God. Let's take a moment to break and discuss any questions on this or any uh, things that you'd like to add to the conversation.
0: Anybody? <laughs>
4: um, a couple things came to my mind, uh, and that's why I pulled out the book that I've been reading. Mm, it's good. Uh, it's called *New Sexuality* by Todd Wilson. Mm. And uh, in the book, he talks about how we are sexed the way that we're sexed as male and female because that is, a, and we're supposed to look at it that way as a blessing from God. Mm. And when you were talking about your friend that posted that Instagram post, I thought of that. Mm. And I think she was getting away from the fact that like, yes, you're a woman and and, in God's kingdom. But at the same time, I think that what you were saying is like, if I objectify myself, it's okay because this misogynistic, misogynistic movement won't objectify me or will objectify me. I think is what you said. Yeah. So I think she was getting away from the fact that like the fact that she's, I'm not just like pointing the finger at her. I'm just like saying that. This
2: happens all over with so many people. This is just a specific. uh, Yeah.
4: Um, example you used is she, that she was getting away from the fact that she is a woman and that is a blessing. And there is something to that. Right. Mm. Um, which kind of ties into my second thing in, in the sense you were talking about the sandwich. Yeah. Um, and what has happened is that sex has um, become more of a hobby. Yeah. And, and it's recreational recreational and something yeah. that um, is so easy to um, attain with, like I mentioned earlier, just the, the, all the dating apps and all that right. stuff. And, um,
2: just swipe right.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um, and what has happened is we've gotten away from what sex has actually meant and mm-hmm. it's to unite one person and to procreate yeah, and to multiply the kingdom of God. Right. And I think until we get back to that point, it's not, it's not, I mean, it's just going to be viewed as recreation. Yeah. And, mm. um, that just goes back to sin coming into the world and ruining it. Yeah, uh,
2: Absolutely. Let me ask you uh, ladies here. So like my assessment of kind of this new wave of feminism that says, I'm going to be objectified. Therefore, I will decide on what terms I'm objectified. Do you think that's an accurate assessment that I'm making? Or is there any pushback you'd make on that? Or am I misrepresenting kind of where the culture is at right now? What what do you guys think? I'd love your perspectives.
3: I agree with what you're saying. I would, I would say that that's a thing. And one, one instance came to mind of just like, oh man. Okay. What was the question? What were we talking about?
2: Okay. So my question was, do you think my assessment of where culture's at right now, where the kind of this new wave of feminism that honestly, a lot of young women are adopting because of social media and just the you know celebrity culture, this idea of women are going to be objectified. Therefore they should just own it. And just, they should decide when they get to be objectified. So they're going to dress as sexy as they can and post the most sexy things they can because it's, it's their sexuality that they want to own. And therefore they control, you know, they men are going to objectify them, but they're going to control how it happens.
3: Yes. And it actually brings two points together that I was going to make several times. It just didn't happen. Um, I have an example of a friend that I've uh, noticed a couple times just, uh, like, fall into, um, like, she used to hold very, very strong beliefs when it came to how she should be treated and how uh, she should be viewed. And then just after surrounding herself with men who don't treat her like that, she kind of got, like, she desensitized herself, like we were talking about, and she started Mm -hmm. falling into dressing Less modest in going to places that weren't as um, safe when it came to the people she was around. Mm. Not like not putting the blame on her. But what I'm saying is, which brings in my other point: like men, we need you guys as friends that surround us to be those examples of what we should be going for as well. Mm. Mm. And so, one of the reasons she fell so hard, I think, is because of the men telling her that. She, was around her telling her how she should be treated and then yeah she viewed herself as that and the other people that she followed on social media and the people that she was hanging out with
2: that's a great point I think um so I remember talking to a group of my high school boys when I was a youth pastor and um these boys were quite often going on pictures on Instagram of girls where they were posting in ways that were seductive and they were liking those photos and leaving comments, you know, fire emojis and things like that. And what I said to those guys is what you're doing by doing that is you're 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 allowing those girls to continue in that negative way of thinking. Like you're just fueling the fire of culture that tells them the only way they can be loved, the only way they can be accepted is by performing and acting sexual and by you hitting like and and leaving comments you're basically telling them that's true and how much better is it for a guy to surround a girl and make her feel accepted and loved and like she's a sister and and not put any pressure on her to act that way or dress that way and in fact like uh, what i would encourage even guys listening to this like if If you know girls that are dressing this way and acting this way because it's it, honestly and, and girls I would love I mean, correct me if i 'm wrong on this, but I just know this from from talking to high school kids oftentimes it 's this It's not this like feminist idea of, you know, I am hot and I'm just going to do whatever I want because I'm hot. It's actually this deep rooted insecurity and brokenness of thinking, I want a guy to notice me so desperately and I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. And when I go on social media, I see how many likes this girl gets and I see what she posts and and how little she's wearing. So if I want that attention, I've got to do this and it's the only way I'll ever be noticed. And that just breaks my heart. I think how great would it be for guys in these Girls' lives to be the the big brothers uh, or the little brothers. I don't know, depending on age, but to be brothers and say, "Hey, you don't need to do that. Like you're loved, you're valued, like for exactly who you are. Like you don't you don't need to dress that way. You don't need to post those things. Like you're you're my sister in Christ. Like you don't need to do that. I don't know. I just I think that if if more men stood up and and told girls that and didn't fuel the fire and support that broken system, the church would be a lot more where it needs to be. I don't know. Any thoughts, Lindsay?
1: Yeah, I'm just very, like, independent. Yeah. And so when, like, the feminist, feminism movement, like, I don't, like, move into that because hmm. I'm also super passionate. And so if I, like, I know that, like, to not put myself in that position of, like, going down the wrong route, I don't put myself into it. Hmm. Um. So it's hard to answer your question. But...
2: Well, where does your mind go in this discussion? Like, what are are just the thoughts in your head when you hear these things that we're talking about? Or or maybe, like, what would you say to girls listening? You know?
1: I I want them to surround themselves with, like, other girls. Mm. And I think, and not the girls that are wearing two pieces of clothing, but (laughs) um, I, like, I have, I've, when I look on social media, I follow a lot of, like, influencers. Mm -hmm. And... I found myself for a while like trying to be like them Mm. not for the sake of like likes but just because I thought it was cool Mm -hmm. and then when I realized I was doing that I had to like I had to move myself back and stop Mm. um and but there's also so many of those influencers that are really good influences right and so
2: right there's nothing wrong with being an influencer it's how are you stewarding your influence
5: Mm
1: -hmm. so I would say like a girl that's I don't even know, like just a girl in general, that (laughs) if you surround yourself with girls that have a good mindset of life and of themselves, then they're going to feed into you whether they know you or not Mm -hmm. in a positive way. And if you don't abuse the platforms that you have, they will grow yourself and the people around you.
2: No, you're killing it. You're doing great. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. That's that's really good. And I think that you're hitting it on the head, like it's about the right kind of influence. Like how are we influencing one another? And every single one of us is able to influence each other in positive ways or negative ways. And just by whether it's guys or girls, like surrounding one another as brothers and sisters and just pointing each other to the things that are good, the things that are true, like the same thing I say that our community group does like the way that we all support and love one another, regardless of what we're wearing that day. Like it doesn't affect or impact anything. It's, it's about this genuine like brotherhood and sisterhood. That's, that's what the church is called to be. Um, anybody on Scott, anything before we move on or.
0: Yeah. I was just to the point of the, I guess the sandwich analogy, and then having you're, you're making to the point of sexual liberation is in a response to sexual brokenness mm. i kind of th- see it as like almost like sexual liberation being a response like s- some people see secu- sexual liberation being a response to sexual repression yeah and they don't even know what brokenness is mm-hmm. and the, with going with the sandwich analogy the the people that paint the sandwich on the wall <laughs> have never even seen someone eat a sandwich properly wow and so that's what i'm trying to think like Going back to, I think it was, a, we talked about earlier about the, like, absolute, there's really no absolute truth uh, apart from Jesus. Mm. Uh, and so, without Jesus in the conversation and, like, or just the ethics of Jesus being presented, like, sandwiches being painted on the walls, yeah. stomping on sandwiches, no one knows what they're doing mm. if they don't have the influence of Jesus saying, having a sacrificial love mm. for other people, because we don't get it on our own. Because we're sinful people, so that's that's, that's why I try to like when, when you were saying it, like I'm sure the the girl that I was posting on uh, that made that uh, post probably isn't I, I don't know if she was a Christian or not. Was she? Was she?
2: Um, at, at one point, she would identify as a Christian, okay. but at, at this point, no. Yeah.
0: Okay, so maybe even even within the church, she may not even has seen a, a proper way to view sexuality.
2: I I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like I, a lot of people that I've seen struggle with this. Mm-hmm either they didn't have a dad in their life or they had parents who didn't really model like what marriage and and love even looks like. And there was a lot of brokenness and adultery and that kind of thing. I've seen the kids who come from these homes. They're the ones who are the most likely to drift into these negative patterns. Yeah.
0: And like, no one really knows, like even me probably don't, I don't even know the brokenness inside of me, Mm. but to have, the, to have Jesus kind of tell me that—that's kind of what—and having the Bible and the New Testament and all those ethics kind of dictate what that is. Mm. That's where, that's where you can finally see brokenness healed is through Jesus, mm. and I think like, it's awesome. Yeah,
2: it's really good. Anybody else? And if not, we'll move on.
1: I have a comment. Really fast. Go for it. Um, talking into what Scott said and like bringing it back to the story in Judges, it's mm. like. Like, this went on back in this day, because, like, one of the questions I, ha- I had was, like, the girls, like, didn't, I was, like, I was making a statement. I was, like, the girls didn't have a say in what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because I was asking. um But, so, it's, like, these girls were so used to this happening that it wasn't anything new to them. And yeah that still happens today and not, I mean, in this case, like, in these cases, but also in simple like day-to-day activities.
2: Yeah. No, I've seen I've seen so many girls who grew up in like really toxic environments where basically their whole life the whole, the message they got was you're an object and you're only just meant to like make men happy and you need to be like sexy for them and that's like that's your whole role as a woman in the world is just to be that. And the hard thing for for me as a youth pastor was, you know, I would only get to talk to those kids like Maybe one or two hours a week when the rest of the time, their school and their families and the TV and social media, that is the message that's being pumped into them 24 7. So it's even more important why we as Christians need to carry this message to our friends and to our family when we see people. acting this way. We need to love them enough to speak out and always in love, always truth and love, never judgment, never, you know, Oh, you need to cover up. What's wrong with you? Like, but just like really taking the time to explain to people, you don't need to act this way. I think of, I think of Jesus, the Bible says that he was the friend of sinners and he was known for hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes. Like that's who he spent his time with, man. I mean, the Bible doesn't go into detail about what kind of conversations Jesus had with the prostitutes, but I would imagine that it wasn't, you know, man, you just need to straighten up. Like, what are you doing prostituting yourself? That's terrible. Like, don't you know that's not what the Torah says? I see Jesus as somebody who's spending time with these people who are just fully immersed in sin, but his mentality is love. And, and, and I could, I mean, just imagine Jesus spending enough time with a prostitute, just sitting down and eating with her at a table with other people and, and and showing her love and and brotherly love. And then to be able to say to her, like, you know, there there was a prostitute that he did know named Mary to say to her, like, Mary, like, you're so loved and you're so precious and you're so valued by God. You don't need to sell your body on the street. Like, God has so much more for you. Follow me. Like, that's the kind of hard conversations we need to have with our friends. And yeah, they're, they're awkward and they're hard. But I think that the more we can call people out of their darkness and into the light and do it in a way that's loving, like the the better off we'll be. So just moving on, um, we got to ask the question, how can we, whether we're a guy or a girl, look into our hearts and find the answer to this? We need to ask the question, what kind of culture are we creating with how we're living, seeing, acting, And speaking so we help shape the culture around us through conversations social media posts and even social media likes how we treat one another everything we say and do impacts someone else around you so I would say this to the men guys we need to partner together on this anytime a young man looks at a woman and sees an object he is working together with the enemy in the spirit of the culture of Pharaoh and Satan However, anytime a woman decides to dress or act in a way to lure men to herself or draw sexual attention to her body, she's working with the enemy and contributing to that same culture. But on the flip side, anytime a woman looks at a man and sees an object, you know, Man Crush Monday, she is working together with the enemy in the spirit of the culture of the enemy. And anytime a man decides to dress or act in a way to lure a woman to himself or draw sexual attention to Uh, to himself or to draw sexual attention to his body. He is working with the enemy as well. I mean, and and honestly, we look on social media today and we see guys doing the exact same thing that girls are doing. Guys also are trying to present them in a way that's highly sexual. When a woman objectifies a man or a man objectifies himself by the way he dresses or acts or flirts or speaks, it's not about it being a man's fault or a woman's fault. It's that we are human and we're made by God for relationship with Him and one another, we need to work together on this. We need to, as men and women, recognize this is not a man's battle or a woman's battle. It's our battle. We need to love one another through this battle. So before we finish this episode, I want to play a clip from a guy named Jean-Marc Cummer, one of our favorite pastors here at Goodline. John Mark has a fantastic video on YouTube simply entitled, What is Sex? And I think he does a great job breaking down the idea of sexuality and sex itself, what it is. And so I think this would be the perfect place to put the clip as we finish out this episode. And I think it'll help set the groundwork for the episodes to come. So without further ado, here's John Mark Kummer.
5: So I find that there's a ton of talk right now in the world with my friends, with my family, my neighborhood about sex and about what sex is. And I also find, at least as a follower of Jesus, that there's a chasmic gap between culture at large's definition of sexuality and God's definition, by that I mean from the scriptures, um, as Jesus would define it, as the biblical authors would define it. So basically, as I read it, culture at large defines sex as recreational play between two consenting adults. So it's just physical, it's just the biological coupling of two bodies for sexual release, and what's the big deal as long as it's between two consenting adults if it's mutually pleasurable I mean what in the world is the big deal it's just play for grown-ups and then the church often comes along and says "All right, here's all the rules here's where you can do it and here's where you can't do it but they buy into cultures definition of what sex is and then basically say well you can do it but only in marriage and oh by the way only marriage between a man and a woman not a man and a man or a woman and a woman and to most of us that's just nonsensical. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you hear that and you think what what kind of crazy, uneducated, traditional, outdated thing is that? That makes no sense. But reality, we have to get behind it to the definition of what sex is. So as I read the scriptures, as I read the teachings of Jesus, here's how I understand sex. In Genesis chapter 2, the word echad is used. That in sexuality, two people become echad, or it can be translated one flesh. This is a graphic, weighty word that basically means, when it's put together with this word flesh, fused together at the deepest level. That in sex, a man and a woman come together and are fused together at the deepest level. It is the bonding of two people into one entity, body and soul, physical and spiritual, because there's no way to bifurcate the two. So it's actually a much higher view of sex than cultures. Culture basically says, hey, it's just play. It's just biological. What's the big deal? God says, whoa, 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 no. It's way more than that. It's two people who become one entity and then over and over again enjoy and express love for one another through sexuality. Now inside of marriage, this is beautiful. Beautiful because it it takes two people and it doesn't let them drift apart. It keeps them together, it keeps them cod or one. But outside of marriage this can be dehumanizing because it can turn people into objects for basically self gratification and then every time you walk away from a sexual partner it's as if you tear cod, as if part of you is lost and you do that enough times and it starts to hollow you out from the inside. So I as a follower of Jesus think that we need a higher View of sex than culture at large is not a lower view. We need to get back to the mysterious, beautiful, powerful reality of what happens when a man and a woman make love.
2: Thanks for listening to episode four of this pod class. We'd like to thank John Mark Comer for his phenomenal work that he's created on the topics of sexuality and relationships. You can find more of this great content in his book and sermon series, both have the same name. Loveology. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we ask the male and female students in the class, what can people of the opposite gender do to help their fellow followers of Christ fight objectification? We hope that this class has been helpful to you and we'd like to produce many more. If you want to support the work and help us make more great pod classes, check out goodlion.io support. Also, if this episode has stirred up any questions in you, we'd love to do a Q&A episode responding to your questions in this series. So if you can send a question to our Instagram account, goodlion.io, or send an email to goodlionnetwork at gmail.com, we'd love to respond to your questions. The Good Lion Podcast is a production of CGN, or Calvary Global Network, and has said creative. We are a nonprofit podcasting ministry run by a team of volunteers that seeks to bring quality Jesus-focused content to the body of Christ. For more awesome podcast content, as well as articles, educational resources, and more, check out our website, goodlion.io. Thanks, guys. And remember, never stop learning.